from the ages of seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, I was raped by my uncle. I'm not going to mention mention any names, but I was raped by my uncle, and to this day, oof, I um, I still sometimes sense the smell of alcohol and just the way he was touching me. What is up everyone? I am Lachlan Samuel and this is the Open Up Podcast, the show where real people open up and share real stories of struggle. What is up everyone, I am Lachlan Samuel and this is episode number 12 of the Open Up Podcast with Simon Shin, who's going to teach us how to discover our true identity. Thanks for being here Simon. Thank you, appreciate it Lachlan. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it man and I'm really grateful for Leon actually reaching out and telling me to get in touch with you to get this get this episode going. Thank you. Um, obviously... I chat to you a little bit about what you've been through and the struggles that you are here to talk about on the Open Up podcast. Our format, like I was saying, usually starts in childhood when you go through what you feel shaped you into the person you are before that struggle. But because your struggles, your trauma does start fairly early in your life, um, I thought I'd hand it over to you and you can just get us going with your childhood and everything that you've been through today. Yeah, awesome, Lachlan, appreciate that. Um, I guess it started early, being the first generation born Korean. My parents came to Australia with literally little to nothing. Um, With that in mind, I had an older sister that was born a year older than me. And yeah, um, struggled so much in terms of my family life that my parents had to foster me out here and there due to the fact that they couldn't afford to take the care or cost of living for my sister and I. So memories obviously start from there. My protection or my winning formulas, you would call it, of how to protect myself started when I was a childhood where I was being physically abused by the caretakers that were looking after me. Um, I remember vividly certain aspects of my life where I was beaten, thrown across the room and locked in a cupboard that was one by one. My saving light during those times was pretty one of those those sausages, those frankfurts. Yeah. Because um, they didn't feed me as much. Well, what I assume is that they didn't feed me that much. They used to have these rolled up frankfurts on the table. And I used to, being a little kid, used to take and just run into this cupboard and lock myself into this cupboard. Um, and that's where it all shaped. Even going to school, being the only Asian in a very Western, uh, Western Sydney suburb, um, I was the only Asian kid. So bullying was pretty much my best friend or my second nature. So I saw the toilet bowl or the toilet flush more than I did see chalkboards. Um, yeah. That's something that I always share. I was beaten, bashed, just singled out like I didn't belong in the community. And it felt like I wasn't meant to be alive. And I think that was the starting point where I started battling. So moving around, my dad's dad died when he was 12, so his grandpa became his dad just because he didn't have a dad. Yep. 
and he came over from Korea and saw the struggle between my mum and dad and obviously the kids and he brought me back in home and obviously a long story short he noticed that my dad couldn't afford us including himself so one night after we came back from dinner I think it was from my grandma's house this massive chaos happened and just wrecked havoc looked out the window and my mum was screaming not to and there he was he was hanging he committed suicide and a couple of years ago my mum revealed a letter or a, she mentioned that he wrote in Korean for I give my life so that you may live and it was one of the most powerful statements that I think I carry on to this day especially when I relate it back to my religion yeah. with Jesus and God so moving on um, obviously it didn't really change the fact that my mum and dad still struggled and um, found it hard to live I was living with my grandma um, from my mum's side and my grandpa like my grandma and I are best mates like, to this day there's a hierarchy of ways of speech that you have to have conversations with but um, my grandma and I talk like we're best friends and people often look down upon me with the way I talk to my grandma but my grandma used to say to me in Korean who cares about them really who cares about them I care about them. this is our conversation let's make it for us and that resonated with me a lot. And with with your grandma having that special connection with her, was she the first person you really connected with like that throughout your childhood? I think the best way to explain it is rather than connection is I found love. Okay. Because I didn't find love when I was born. It's pretty yeah. much. And to you, does love tie in with appreciation? And acceptance. Acceptance of you. Okay. Definitely will be acceptance. Okay. Because um, it plays a big role. But in saying that, I did struggle at my grandma's house too. So from the ages of seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, um, I was raped by my uncle. I'm not gonna mention, mention any names, but I was raped by my uncle. And to this day, oof, I, um, I still sometimes sense the smell of alcohol and just the way he was touching me. Yep. And I carried that burden for a very long time. So you see, during this time, obviously it sounds like everything happened one after another, but it actually didn't. Everything was collaborating together and overlaps with each other as well. It's a lot to take on at a young mm. age. Got to the point where I didn't realize what it was doing to me that I even, you know, he used to give me like, he used to give me $5 and every time he touched me, he said, no, you don't say anything, but he used to give me $5. And with the $5, I used to buy like these little Hot Wheel Matchbox cards yeah. That was my favourite toy. It was the only thing that I could afford. Or, sorry, my apologies. My mum and dad could afford or my grandma could afford. So to shut me up, he'd give me those, give me $5. But it also got to a point where I was like, I was so desperate because I, I just wasn't privileged enough to have toys that I'd go to my uncle and say, hey, I'll let you touch me if you give me five bucks. Whoa. So that was my norm because I didn't know anything better. And... Ever since that day, it was just a, a normality where I, this is where I hated my parents. And I know hate's a very strong word, but I told my mom and dad. People did ask me, how come you didn't tell your mom and dad? And I was, I did. 
But who would believe an eight-year-old kid or a nine-year-old kid that their, that their uncle's touching them weird, that their uncle's penetrating them? So they thought I was lying. Whether it be their denial, I don't know, but I'm not going to speak on their behalf. So this is, who it sh- this is how it shaped me when I was young. So racism, bullying, physical abuse by people that I didn't know that were caretakers of me, apparently, and then obviously the trust that was broken when I look back now by my own blood, by my own family. During this time, my escape route was soccer. I used to go to soccer when I was at my grandma's house to Shepherd Park, which is a field in St. Mary's. And I used to play soccer there. And that was my runaway. Um, The coach was absolutely lovely, would help me out. I used to score like seven, eight goals a game. And one time I had this award, and I think I still have it, where it said, you know, scoring 112 goals in a season. It was absolutely phenomenal. But soccer was my escape route. Um, by the age of 10, 11, 12, I was pretty much at home constantly then with my mum and dad, but we battled. And the reason why we battled is because I was in this protection mechanism where I didn't know or identify my mum and dad as my mum and dad. Yep. I just saw them as two human beings who's looking after me that are trying to tell me what to do, which is my mindset. So we clashed a lot clashed a lot and I also noticed that and I could sense that my dad was trying to put a lot of his past failures in his life because he had to live on his own because obviously his dad died early and he was trying to make that success out of me but I didn't recognise it then I'm only talking from what I see now and what do you mean by success through soccer correct my dad was a brilliant soccer player awesome defender so I was an attacker because I'm not, I'm not as tall as my dad. My dad's tall, so I don't know why I didn't get his genes, but it's awesome. But correct. Um, he made it really well. He could have gone further because he didn't have the proper support of his family, by meaning his family, mum and dad, because his dad passed away. My grandpa passed away early. Yeah, I think he struggled. He was in the military, served a lot longer than he had to. Yeah. So he was very highly ranked up. And is this in the Australian military? No, South Korean. So it's compulsory in South Korea to go to the, go to the military as national service. Yeah. So my dad spent a lot of time there. My dad, I think he wanted to escape the trouble. So he moved to Australia when he was, I think he was 19, 20, 21. So that's when he started his life here. And he came, came here with $20 in his pocket. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, it's a big risk. Yeah. Um, and my mum's been here since she was 13. So okay. that's where they're... Um, marriage starts but um, yeah soccer was my runaway at the age of 11 I was playing for under 13s 14s and at the age of 14 I was playing for under 20s so soccer became my my escape route of life and is it the first place where you found value correct correct I did it was something that it felt like one of those moments where when you you just feel like nothing else matters in the world but what is happening in that moment. So I was present with myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was good. And then I'm, I, um, at the age of 13, going into high school, I found my first love. I'm not going to mention her name, but I found my first love. She was absolutely amazing. It's as difficult as it is for me to say that right now because of how we ended up she was amazing we've been together for 10 years we were together for 10 years um, and 
again, that's when I found love again. I found wholeness, acceptance, acknowledgement. And I started shaping my identity to that love. Okay. And was she the first person outside of your grandma that you found that love and acceptance with? Correct. Okay. Definitely. And I think for that reason, it's because I did spend obviously 10 years with her, but at the same time, I I look back and I sacrificed a lot of my life for her as well. Yep. And I'm not saying she didn't, I'm just talking my perspective at the moment. Yep. So correct, so I would lie to my parents, cheat my parents. I did whatever I could to see her. Okay. I did. And you're saying you started shaping your identity to fit what she wanted, was that right? Correct. Okay. I think that's spot on for that one. Um, by the age of 14, 15, I was representing New South Wales to the point I was representing Australia in soccer as well. So I was doing really well for myself. So then I found that comfort. Yeah. Found that comfort. And um, you, really, you really do start identifying comfort at a young age. And little do you know that it has to be broken for you to really become a man or mature about it as well. But this is when also that after speaking with my psychologist and my psychiatrist was when my depression and anxiety would have kicked in. Okay. I, I started burying a lot of my things in my life because all of a sudden I've got this awesome, powerful love that just overpowered everything. And it's true, love, love conquers all, it does. Yeah. But it also blinds you from what you haven't overcome as well. And with this love, was it a love deep enough that you could feel comfortable being yourself and letting her into that trauma that you experienced growing up? Interestingly to say, no. I didn't actually tell her my story. Well, wow. And I think, like I said, I think it's because I buried it so deep, it just didn't matter to me. Yeah. But she knew of the struggles between my dad and I, my mum and I the cultural aspects and I, yep. which just didn't fit in with, well with me. So by this time, I tried to commit suicide. Okay, and what age was that? It would have been 15. Wow. And believe it or not, Lachlan, that's actually the first time I revealed it. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's powerful, man. And the way I wanted to commit suicide was I wanted to hang myself. No one knows this, but, and I'm revealing it raw right now. Yeah. My little baby sister's 11 years difference between me. So when I was 15, it means she was four. As I was trying to hang myself from the ceiling fan, she walked in and that look she gave me made me break down yeah. that was my first attempt okay. and I know you had a strained relationship with your parents but was that carried down to your siblings your younger siblings at that point as well or did you have a love and respect for them for my siblings yeah I love my little baby sister okay and I think it was because I try to protect my little sister from what I went through from my parents that I I spoiled her. Yeah. I, whatever she wanted, I gave it to her. And it's because by this age, 15, I'm pretty... Yeah, 15, I started working. Um, wasn't good at school. Well, I supposedly I was, apparently, but... By, the, uh, by year nine, because I was representing soccer, I hardly went to school. 
So um, I was good at all, all curriculums that were required until year nine and then started working. So I started getting some cash behind me. And for that reason, I supported my little sister and I tried to, I tried to give that power to my sister. Um, and she talks to me a lot. She does. She talks to me a lot. So that's that. And obviously there's a big gap in between 15 to 21, which is where my next life begins as well. And what I mean by next life is that for six years, it was just constant battles between my dad and I, my mum and I, what I wanted. Just, it was one of those moments where I was like, you're just trying to control me, trying to control, rule over my life. And I hated them. And my mum and dad are very strong Catholics. And what I mean by that is they're very spiritual people. And in that time, I literally said, F God, God doesn't exist. Why do you put him onto me for? And I turned my back against God. So coming to 21, I got engaged with, um, with my partner then. And I thought, Heaven and world, heaven and earth were just coming my way. It was awesome. But then this is when it all went downhill as well. Um, it turned. She turned. It came to a point where I realized that we went to a marriage counselor. And the marriage counselor, um, the subject was how to overcome conflict, confrontation with each other. So we both have turns in arguing, fighting for our views. And um, marriage counselor looks at me and she's like, Simon, you handle it really well. You really listen to what a person wants. Um, and you cater for that. And you make sure that it's, it's what they want. It's awesome. And obviously my partner had her turn. And bluntly said, she's like, wow, you're selfish. To her. And those words, it was like a light bulb moment for me. And it just made me realize, wow, what is going on? Okay. So this counselor telling your partner at the time that she was selfish, and you're saying you had this light bulb moment, was that selfishness there throughout the relationship and you just molded yourself to fit what she wanted you to be? Or had it only become present in the later stages? No, you said it really well. I, I, I agree that I um, molded myself, and the reason why I molded myself is because I didn't want to lose that love. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't want to lose that comfort. Obviously, I, yeah, of being fostered out and having your grandfather you know, take his life in order for you to have one. Yeah. I'm guessing that love and acceptance would be something that you wouldn't want to lose, so I can understand. Yeah, definitely. Why you'd shake yourself. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. And this went on for a year. So by the age of 22, we're meant to get married very soon. And then I called it off. I called it off, and there was obviously the denial aspect of it to the rechasing each other aspect of it as well. And still to this point, I was just in this very empty space of, I'm not comfortable, but you know what? I'm gonna party it up. So I don't drink or smoke or do yeah. drugs. So 
But even when I say party it up, I just went out with my best mates and we just had a good time. We went to clubs, and so I was born and raised in Sydney, so I went to clubs in Sydney and stayed out till late. Things that I couldn't do, I just started doing. Um, I guess the best way to say it was being stupid. Yeah, so masking the pain? Definitely. Try burying it is probably the best way to say it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I started trying burying it. And then, yeah, just... One night, I just... When I was sleeping over my best friend's house, I realised that I was, I was spiralling down and then I... I wanted her back. Okay. And by this time, it was too late because... Um, by this time, it was just too late. And do you feel like you wanted her back because you were scared of losing that, what you deemed as this acceptance, this love, or were you scared of losing what was actually there? I'm gonna go with the first point. Okay. Because I remember when I was heavily, heavily depressed, I felt like I lost it, and hence the reason why I was chasing something again. Just lost it. And it's the comfort and love that I lost, not the package. I don't know how to explain it properly. I met this absolutely lovely, lovely friend of mine who also counseled, mentored me. Her name was Faith Papuni. And I mention her name proudly because she saved my life a couple of times from committing suicide too. I almost jumped off a building in Hurstville. Um, next to the Hurstville RSL club. I think it was four or five levels high and I just wanted to jump. Yeah. And I called her for some reason. And she asked me to, look, let's meet up, let's, let's, let's talk. So it just got, things got really tough. I just spiraled down even more. Anxiety kicked up, couldn't breathe. And I was lost, I was so confused felt very uncomfortable and I hated the pain and I suffered, I suffered a lot. And at this point, was Faith your only means of reaching out or was she the only one you could talk to openly about this sort of stuff? She was the only one I could talk to openly. Okay. Only one. I couldn't tell my mum, I couldn't tell my dad because I had that hatred because my mum and dad disapproved of my partner then okay. and my partner worked so hard for my mum and dad that it just got eventually just got blurred out because she just had enough yeah and what about your grandma is she still around at this point yes she is okay it's interesting though because the Korean culture or the Korean the Korean background of it they don't believe in mental illness okay um, whether it be an old school mentality I'm not quite sure but it was very firm to say there's no such thing as depression. Get out of it. You know, why are you being like this? Just get out of it. You'll be fine. So it's not that I dis. It's not that I um, didn't like my or appreciate my grandma saying that to me. Mm-hmm. It was just more in terms of. I already pretty assumed for her that she just wouldn't understand. Okay. Is it very much like a working class type of upbringing? Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Okay. Definitely would say so. Because we, we see that and we identify that from how the suicide rate has increased over the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. So 
it's just the mentality that I had that I pre-assumed on my family that they just wouldn't care. And it's true, my mum and dad knew I had depression anxiety. Yes. When they, when they knew I broke up with my partner then, they knew I was going through a tough time, but I just didn't want to speak to them about it. Of course, because they've broken your trust before. Yeah, 100%. They didn't believe me, it was probably the biggest factor of it. And if they can't believe you about something that traumatic, then mm. why would they believe you about correct. something like anxiety and depression, which already has the stigma around it? Yeah, correct. So by this time, I've probably already tried committing suicide four or five times now, something about 23. I just downed a, pot, a, a bottle of pills, 12, 15, I'm pretty confident so from memory. It was just whatever bottle I could find, I just bottled it, just took it all. And um, it got to a point where I checked, I feared death all of a sudden. So I checked myself into the Sydney Clinic in Bronte, which is a, a, a mental institution. Yeah. And I did it because like I said, it was a fear of death. It wasn't because I wanted to better myself. I, I can definitely not say that. I can't say that I wanted to better myself. It's just I feared, I, I, I feared death. And um, yeah, I went in and I just wanted to be alone. My mum and dad dropped me off. They said, are you sure you want this? And I'm like, this is what I want. I don't want to do what you want anymore. Yeah. This is what I want. So I went to hospital, first night, second night, suicidal thoughts kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. So I was on, I was on suicide watch. And then it got so tough. One night I um, I messaged my partner, or my ex-partner, sorry. And how long had you been apart at this point? Probably about four months, okay. five months from that time. Okay. And she already told me she moved on, found someone else. Wow. After 10 years. I can imagine that would have been hard to take. It was, it ruined me. She was, it ruined me. Didn't know how to take it. I told the nurses because I could feel my actions becoming a lot more dangerous to myself. So then the next day the psychiatrist saw me and he decided to do hypnotherapy on me. And he invited my mum and dad because mm -hmm. it's important. Um, it's just a process they had to follow. Yep. But they took me inside, did hypnotherapy on me, and this is when I realised that all my past just came up. Physical abuse. The biggest impact of me was the rape, um, which was diagnosed under my my portfolio, my file, where it came as PTSD. But I just buried it. Yep. Mm. the mental abuse well, I mean the psychological abuse between my parents and my partner then and everything just tumbled down onto me keep in mind at this time as well when I checked myself in I had shares with a business and I don't really want to mention the name I had shares with a business 
and once they noticed that I was going through a mental struggle I actually got terminated from my own business and that was my first photo business so not only have you finally accepted that you need help that you need to seek help for yourself you've learned that your ex-partner has moved on and obviously having someone that you've loved for 10 years move on so quickly you're going to wonder why that is Mm -hmm. and what your shortcomings are and what you could have done to negate that and then now having this business that you had shares in decide that you're no longer fit to be a part of it yeah I can only assume that your self worth how you see yourself how you perceive yourself and how you value yourself was at the lowest point yeah to date 100% it was um, it was one of the most difficult periods of all the moments that is what I fear today presently going back into going back into the loss of identity okay I didn't know who I was then so what happened was then I told my best friend Michael Angeloni love him to death he goes Simon this is not you so he took me to Thailand as a trip to just Again, I think is to hide that facade, yeah, or rediscover who I was in the past. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it took me to Thailand, Pattaya, and as I was on the plane, I still wanted to commit suicide. And this is probably my final attempt, which was my ninth attempt. Flying over to Thailand, Pattaya, this evil evil thoughts just come into my head that you know what I'm going to kill myself but believe it or not this is the only time that I was actually satisfied and happy with it I was excited for it so being so excited for it I knew how I was going to do it because if I do it when people are around obviously someone's going to try to save me and I was just like nah don't want that just do it early in the morning when no one's awake so I had it all planned out so still battling my head as we landed my best friend goes to me Simon Man, I want green chicken curry. This guy's Italian. And I was like, bro, you, green chicken curry, you don't even know what that is. You don't even like chili food. Why would you want <laughs> green chicken curry? He's like, man, I'm just craving it. I just want it. Like, we had it on the plane. I just want more. I'm like, do you even know what it is? He's like, I was like, oh, you know what? Don't worry about it. All good. All good. We'll go for it. And, um, and then he goes, but in Thailand, there's also this watermelon juice with honey, but it's very it's specifically extracted. Yep. Um, and there's a specific place that only has it, which was about 10, 15 minutes from my hotel that he identified. So I want this green chicken curry and we have to go to this restaurant. I'm like, man, we, we could have green chicken curry anywhere with watermelon juice and honey anywhere. He's like, no, I want to go to this one. All right, cool, we'll go to that one. So we went there, landed, put our bags off. We went to this restaurant. And he's munching down this green chicken curry, his watermelon juice with ice, just sculling it. And I didn't care. And the reason why I didn't care was because I knew I was going to kill myself. So why would I care? And I remember it to this day. I was just like, so, so in present of the moment, I was just moving around, doing, just, yeah, just doing it, doing what I had to do. 
got back to the hotel and then it hit me again. As we're going up the elevator, I was counting the levels that were going up. 14th floor, Patea Hotel Resort. And I'm like, cool. This is the number. Both fell asleep. I was battling the demons in my head and I'm like, you know what, can't, can't deal with it anymore. I'm gonna kill myself. So I walked to the balcony, climbed over the, the balcony barrier and I held on and I looked into the sky and I said, you know what God, save me now. And I let go and I promise you I let go. And all of a sudden I just feel this massive tug from my neck pulled out and just just got yanked over and then I just felt this massive uppercut right on my right chin and I looked up and it was my best friend he started crying and I was crying and I was looking directly into his eyes and I remember not seeing his eyes but I, for some reason I saw this image of, of, of Jesus and I was I don't, um, and I was crying because I just woken up to what was actually ha what was raw about it. <laughs> my fr my best friend's a boiler maker, <laughs> so he wakes up at two a.m., three a.m. in the morning to go to work. So when he's on holidays, he sleeps in. Means he sleeps in till like one p.m., two p.m. in the afternoon. Yeah. Lachlan, do you know what woke him up? No. Food poisoning from the green chicken curry. <laughs> oh, how about that? Yeah. He was... Imagine him standing, like sitting on top of me, me looking at him. If anyone walked by and saw what we were doing, they would probably assume something else, but... He's got the runs. He's sitting on top of me and he saved my life. that's when I knew I had a purpose who tries to commit suicide nine times and survives every single one of them not by choice and that's when I realized I found I have purpose not I found purpose I have purpose so went back to the hospital and I um, I made a commitment to myself and it only takes a split second commitment to yourself and make that promise that you'll do one thing. And that promise that I made to myself was I picked up the Bible. Mm -hmm. Out of all things, the only thing that was available in my room at that time was a Bible. So I read the New Testament in two days, two hours sleeps maybe, probably hardly any sleep. And I finished the New Testament in two days. And there were specific words in the Bible that enlightened me. Such as when it says, for whatever you pray for, it will be given to you as long as you believe in the name of Jesus. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you'll find it. Ask and it will be given to you. And what it started to grow for me was hope. Belief that whatever you choose to manifest can eventually come true. Correct. Yeah. And it repeats in the Bible 
it, it just repeats in the Bible, just trusting God, trusting God. So I started trusting God. You see, it was still tough because after I left hospital, I still had to face the reality of the world and the reality of the world is harsh. Yeah. And um, I still had a lot of encounters. I still had a lot of run-ins. I just was not myself. So what I did was I went to, um, I went to Minchinbury Cemetery where my grandpa was buried. And as I was walking to my, my grandfather's um, grave, I was reading the, I was reading each grave's, I guess the final message or the final word or engravement that they place on their, on this, on, on their grave before they get buried. And um, one stood out to me where it said, life's not just given to you. You have to give life to find identity. And it was so powerful for me that it was, I started noticing that the way I shaped myself became in line to, okay, Simon, who are you? Who are you? Who are you that you can't even kill yourself? Who are you that you, you just lost all your businesses? Who are you that no one wants you? Who are you that no one loves you? Who are you? And then I went to church one night and the priest said to me, when you tell yourself, that you're not loved, and when you tell yourself that you are loved, both of them is right. But which one are you gonna focus more energy on? And I was like, what's this guy talking about? How can I be right in both? And I, I asked him, and he said, no matter what you feed, it will always be true for you. Because no matter how, how, how many times someone can say to you, Simon, you are loved, it's not you're not loved, you won't believe him. So it's true. I was like, man, it's crazy. Yeah. I think that's the quote, where attention, where attention goes, energy flows, and that's yep. exactly what he's talking about. So true. So during that time, I, I started to come to the realization, I decided to do something called the Santiago de Compostela Walk, the Camino yep. in Spain. To give you an idea, you walk 813 kilometers mm -hmm. from the Pyrenees of France to the coastal side, and you end up in Madrid, in Santiago. There's a thousand and one different ways you can achieve it, but I decided to follow a specific route. And the reason why I, I decided to do this was because I watched a movie called The Way by Martin Sheen yep. when I was in hospital. It was recommended to me by a Catholic nurse and she said to me, Simon, you don't get called, no, you don't just go to these things because you watch it, you go to these things because you get called to it. So then I started getting in touch with my spiritual, my spiritual world as well. And as I made that commitment to say, yeah, you know what, I am gonna go here, I had this urge as I was praying about it, because I started praying then, I had this urge to ask my mum. Keep in mind, I never had a good relationship with my mum. And I said, mum, do you wanna come with me? I'll pay for your flights, I'll pay for the accommodation, let's go. So we went together. This journey, this, this, this journey of self-discovery was absolutely beautiful. You're walking 23.5 kilometers every day as an average, Some the most biggest day you have to do is 36 kilometers, you're walking. Yep. 
um, and it is an untouched, non-modernized suburbs that you're walking through. So everything is it's just as is. Some of the hostels that we were staying at had no, no TV, no Wi-Fi. It's just a room, wooden flooring, brick house, that's it. Um, and by the way, as long as you, when you're walking along the way and you go to restaurants, wine is free, water you have to pay for. Okay. So that's what came to my, my um, to parts. But I realized as I was taking this, the journey that I was taking on this, on this walk was not easy at all. We're going uphill, we're going through bushes, going through rainforests, we're going downhill with no path, no footpath. And what we followed was a yellow arrow that was literally the size of about 20 centimeters and about 15 centimeters thick. That was our guidance. That was the light that we had to follow. And we put all our trust in this arrow to say that we're going the right way. And there wasn't an arrow every single meter. It was an arrow every 500, 600 meters. So you could get lost anywhere between in between. So I took my mum with me, um, took us four and a half weeks. Wow. Yeah, took us four and a half weeks, but she, the first two weeks, she was awesome, powerhouse, she completed it. But then after that, she got blood blisters on her feet, it was so bad that she could, literally couldn't stand on her feet. So she caught a taxi every second day thereafter. Okay. But my demons hit me then as well. And then I, I stopped and I said, it's probably the only time that I actually was very genuine with my mum. And I said, mum, I hate you. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to kill myself. Like, why do I have these thoughts? I'm in a beautiful place in Spain that no one can do any harm to me, what, but yet I'm fearing life. And I blame you, mum. Because I didn't feel love. I didn't have anything to go by. I didn't have any foundations built up within me to move on. And it's your fault. This is the only time I actually heard my mom swear at me. She turned around, she looked at me and she said, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but I am. Yeah, definitely. She turned around and she goes, you want to give up, Simon? Get the fuck out of here then. And I was like, Oh, I didn't expect that. She goes, go kill your fucking life then. You want to give up? Fuck off then. My mum is 150 centimetres tall. So cute. And hearing those, those genuine words, it was just amazing. Because she finished off with, whether you continue or whether you kill yourself, it's your decision. Whether you want a good life or a bad life, it's your decision. Simon, you're destined for great and big things. I have so much belief in you. I have so much love for you. I know I wasn't good to you. I know I hurt you and I know I didn't believe in you. But I'm here now, aren't I? So she shed so much light into me and she literally said, for every breakdown is a bigger breakthrough. 
So I marched on. And what it came to the realization when I did the Santiago, I, when we arrived in Santiago, I found forgiveness for my mum and dad. And what led you to find that forgiveness? Obviously, them not believing you, I can imagine that would be a massive hurdle or barrier to break through or get over. How do you find forgiveness for something like that? We were walking up a hill. We were walking up a hill and I remember as we were walking up this hill, it was a spiral hill by the way, I remember my mum, she was struggling as I was as well because this still had to, this, this hill had to be in an incline of at least 35, like 40 degrees. It was a very steep incline hill. I was struggling and I was climbing and climbing and then my mum was like, Simon, how much more longer? I'm like, mum, it's just around the corner. Keep in mind, I didn't even know. I was just doing it because I wanted to help my mum. Did you get it though? I was lying because I wanted to help my mum get through whatever she could get through. And that's what I realized. My mum did whatever she could during her struggles to do whatever she could to, for me to have a, a fulfilled life. And that's, that's how I learned this metaphorically. Even during my struggles, my mum's struggling too. Vice versa, even during mum's struggles, I was struggling too. But she was doing whatever she could to feed me, to get me up, to make me stronger. It's just that I placed an expectation on it. And with that expectation, I judged and, 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 and criticised her based on my opinion, the answer that I wanted, even though it was done by her expectation, her answers, her, the way she wanted. Okay, so how did you find forgiveness for them not believing you? The realization yeah. and the acceptance that what happened to me wasn't done by my mum and dad. It was just what happened. I created a story to blame them that they didn't protect me, but essentially they did. And another way that I found that forgiveness as well. How did they? How did they protect you? Um. More in terms of push me to move on. Like that, that whole cultural aspect come back to here where it says, Simon, you have to push on, move on from it. Okay. You, you can't believe though, you can't believe what you're telling yourself. Hence the reason why we don't believe you. And it's because they had their denial. And there's a reason why I say this is because when I came back from Spain and um, I had this conversation with my mom and she said, Simon, do you know when you told us that story, it killed us. We were in so much disbelief. It's not that we didn't believe you. It's just that we wanted to deny it because we just, they would save themselves. Yeah. Yep. And they pre-assumed that I would be okay because they thought it just happened that one time when I told them. They didn't know it went on for four years. I mean, later when I was in hospital, they found out, but they didn't know. They just thought it was just that day that I told them was the only time that it happened. 
I found forgiveness because I didn't want to tell myself a story anymore that I created in my head that they were to blame. It's hard enough forgiving one person, trying to forgive three people for something that happened once or from that one person. It just didn't make sense to me. So the quicker I learned to accept the situation for what happened mm-hmm. rather than accept it for the whole story that I told myself that it happened in terms of not feeling loved, I'm allowed to be abused, um, my parents didn't love me, I don't trust anyone. I had to drop my ego down for that. That was a hard call. Very, very hard call. But it became across to the point where I forgave my mom and dad. Okay. And did you have to do that to allow yourself to grow and progress? Yes. Forgiveness is a very, very strong part of your growth. And remember how I said to you earlier that my best friend said to me, you know, this is not who you used to be. Let's, you know, let's get back to that. I realized that God was breaking me down because he didn't want me to become the person that I was in the past. He actually wanted me to be the new me. He wanted me to be, he wanted me to build myself with new core values, new core beliefs and identify, identify me genuinely. And that was challenged. Because after I came back, from that on, from that day onwards, is when I started to do everything in terms of how will I find who I am in everything that I do, whether it be good or bad. Okay. And does this tie in with the idea of discovering your true identity? Correct, it did. The minute you sell, the minute you say to yourself you want to start discovering. gives you a new possibility to make it happen. Now, along the way, you might have road, you will definitely have roadblocks, sorry. Not might, you'll definitely have roadblocks. But just because you have roadblocks doesn't necessarily mean you stop trying to find your identity. It just means that roadblock just wasn't who you are. So therefore, find a new road. You know, if I said to you, Lachlan, you know, you gotta go to a petrol station, are you gonna tell me there's only one way to petrol station? If it's flooded, are you gonna say, I can't get there? I'm pretty confident to say you'll find either another petrol station or you'll find a new way to get there, a new direction. It's exactly like that in life. People halt at one obstacle because they are afraid of responsibility. They're afraid of their fears and trust me, I am too. And the quote that I always always bring upon is, you fear everything and literally run or you face everything and you truly rise. Okay. And you've faced a lot. Yes. I mean, you've been fostered out, you were abused, bullied in school, um, you had to face your, your grandfather taking his life for yours, obviously abused by your uncle and given that money, so that would have impacted your relationship with money as well, and then having told your parents and then not believing you you faced a lot and obviously throughout that time before you came to that conclusion in Spain where you could forgive your parents again, you ran from all those fears. Yep. You ran from everything. 
and now finally you've found this space within yourself to forgive and to allow yourself to grow and progress and find your own ways around those roadblocks and barriers now you're rising to your occasion trying to find your purpose and like you said when you were saved on that building you realized you actually have purpose yeah can you give us an idea about how you went from this person who was running from those fears to someone who rises yeah um i i have to stress it out there you do not wait for you to realize that you have a purpose this day onwards for whoever's listening whoever's hearing this out realize and recognize that you have a purpose and that purpose is who you are the biggest and most powerful weapon that we have right now is no one is like us no one is who we are we are not all the same that's the number one key factor of that number two is really understand love love conquers all and it does it heals it so much as well but what i'm saying about love is don't love other people don't love materialistic things or anything like that or, or try to replace your losses with materialistic things or, or a person to love you to cover that gap love yourself love yourself because your skills your conversations the way you look there's purpose behind it as well and the easiest way to do that is identify yourself in front of a mirror even though people might say yeah but I hate the way I look that's fine but then are you trying to tell me you hate the way you smell things taste food brush your hair what, what clothes you wear or how you talk to people who, how you how you make your best friend feel because we can't pre-assume these things on behalf of other people because we can't change the way people think feel what gets to us is is our assumptions and from where from who I was for a person that wants to commit suicide to how I overcame that to identify purpose was giving hope a chance and when I say giving hope a chance I mean giving myself a chance to try literally everything in this world if someone says to me I've tried a million ways I'd say no you haven't or if someone said to me I've tried every single way no you haven't I'm pretty common to say there's more ways I'll put my house on it there's plenty of ways to do it it just might be that I haven't discovered it you haven't discovered it well let's start discovering it so I covered that on an aspect of love for myself mm-hmm and then in terms of spirituality for myself is my my backbone purely was based on the Bible. Yep. God and Jesus. So scriptural. And what I mean by that is I had an expectant heart to find a word from the Bible. And what does that mean? You have an expectant heart, but when you read a certain verse, as you're reading the verses, you relate or you somehow try to collaborate your life into what the verse is trying to say to you. And then you discover the opportunities that that verse has for your life. It might not necessarily come in that present moment, but it will eventually come 
to your understanding. And if it doesn't, you just keep reading. The Bible has so many different scriptures, so many different parables. And it says the human mind, as you read along, you only remember specific and important points of a certain book or statement or words only if it means something to your life. So if it doesn't mean anything to you, as you read, you'll forget it. But what I'm trying to say is if you forget, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that because if you read it all over again, it might actually mean something to you in that present time. So therefore you can relate to it. So they're the two major factors that how I identified my the beginning path of discovery to finding my identity. Okay. And for anyone listening who isn't religious at all, who doesn't yep. believe in Jesus, God, or the Bible, I've spoken about this a little bit with other guests as well who've mm. talked about the teachings, but obviously I'm not religious, but what I see the Bible as is this book that teaches you how to live the best life possible how to strive to achieve that what you say that identity and to find your purpose not just to find it but to also pursue it and to live your life in a way that benefits not just you but everyone else around you yeah and it's amazing that you found that especially being someone Mm. who like you said thought fuck god yeah that's pretty powerful man yeah and I, I, t- I totally get it as well, Lachlan, when you said to me, what if someone that doesn't read the Bible or someone that doesn't have a religion behind them? My next best advice would be, well, then discover it with someone so close to you. Some people might say, but I don't have anyone close to me. I'm like, cool. Well, then discover who can be close to you. Have that opportunity. Open up the possibility that someone is there for you and be open to it. You can't really ex- like expect someone to love you if you're going to turn away from it it's not fair then because then you're, you're actually not opening yourself up to the possibility okay so it'd be finding that backbone that back person that that will that will always be there for you so it might be your mom your dad your grandma your best friend hey you never know it actually might be the the the, the council worker down the road that you just decided to speak to there are 7.3 billion people in the world you'll be able to find one it's just how open you are to it. And you, and you, the opening of the possibilities allows you to discover your identity because when you're at the worst of the worst, your true identity comes out and you can start building your foundations from there. Yeah, it's amazing. And I just want to add on to the end of what you're saying by being open that there's 7.3 billion people in the world. If you weren't open, not just with others, but with yourself, open enough to accept that you were going through something as horrific as the thoughts you had in your head and actually checking yourself in being open about what you were thinking to your parents and to the staff where you were and then later on to your friends you might have actually been successful in taking your life and then we wouldn't have you in the world chasing this purpose and helping people find or discover their identities so opening up for you was a major a major help Correct. and that's something I want to stress to people out there and that's the reason for this podcast is that opening up is the first step to recovery Correct. it's amazing brother yeah um, I guess if we want to want to step back a little bit and go through some of this, the trauma that you actually have been through yep some of the trauma that you've talked about and um 
yeah, it's it's nice seeing people, whether you believe in it or not, find whatever it is they need, you know, to yeah. chase that to chase that purpose. Yeah, very true. Um, going back through what you actually have been through, that trauma. Yep. Um, I want to understand how, I guess, some of the more significant trauma that you have suffered through, been through. I want to understand how you come to terms with this mentally and how you've either processed or released um, these events that you've been through. Obviously, having been bullied throughout school, that may not seem significant to most people, but when you are a kid, being bullied, especially ethnic bullying for your race, you are going to feel outcast. You aren't going to feel like you fit in. So I guess in in a sense that would lend itself to you later shaping yourself to fit this mould that your partner had. But how do you think you've processed that bullying or learnt to cope with it and heal from it? Bullying at a young age, especially at a young age, it really shapes the way you think. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, not the way you think. really shapes the way you believe who you are. Yep. And you start to believe at a young age because you're so fresh about it. You take pretty much what people say to you biblically. Yep. So, immediately saying at that young age, I don't know how I overcame bullying. I don't know how I was so strong about it. I don't know if I ever was strong about it, actually. Or was it something that I just buried? But the process that I took to overcome it was, again, being open to forgiveness for whatever happened to me in the past for who, from whoever it was. Discovering the possibility of how much freedom will I get from this? Because it wasn't about them anymore. It was actually about me, of how I wanted to be free from what people said about me. And it also came to the realization that, you know what? No, I don't believe what you think I am. No, I'm not a Chinese cunt. No, I, I no, I do not eat dogs. No, I, um, I don't know how to, like, I have, yeah, no, <laughs> just it's just like yes, no, yes, no things. Yeah. And what I say yes to is, yes, I look Asian. Doesn't mean I'm not proud of it. It doesn't mean that I hate the way I look. And it also doesn't mean that I can change it. I learned to love myself in that aspect as well. Because I did, Lachlan, when I first was 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 severely bullied. I remember, the, I think I remember the time when I was almost drowning in that toilet seat, third cubicle, a lady of the rosary primary school. I remember it clearly to this day when I was drowning in that and I was choking on it. I hated my culture. I hated the way I looked. But it came to the realization that when I start looking around the world and you, know, you look at the 7.3 billion people around the world. Hey, there's a lot more Asians than there are anyone else. Oh, eh? I wanted to say that. I didn't want to sound racist. Yeah, no, that's all right. I'm like, there's a lot more people than you, actually. Yeah. So it wasn't just that, but it was just in terms of, again, everyone has the possibilities of such a bright future that we make a difference. Yeah. And that's the key word. We, key words, statement. We make a difference. And I wanted to make a difference. And I didn't want that to define who I was. So I forgave it. Awesome. So I could have freedom. It's powerful. Mm. And that's what a lot of people need to hear. Yeah. 
is that these beliefs that you take on from being bullied as a child, they generally aren't true. They're generally things that people say to you because they're insecure about themselves and what they're going through in life. So they put that stress onto you. Yep. And you don't have to carry that throughout your life. You can, you know, identify it and decide whether or not it's accurate and then you can release it. That's so true. And choose to accept yourself and love yourself. Very true, Locke. And when I when I do these speeches and I present to people in terms of inspiration, motivation, especially at youth camps and that, one thing that I say to people is in terms, because the bullying question comes up a lot. You know, some I get bullied at university, I get bullied at high school, I get bullied at work. And I say, well then, bless them. And when I say bless them in a spiritual term or the religious term, what I mean in the normal way is that thank them. But also be appreciative of it. Because the reason why people bully is because they need a sense of power and they feel threatened. So when they bully, they feel threatened, hence the reason why they bully you. Yes. Because you might become more powerful than what they are or think they are. And because they cha- because you're challenging them, they want to knock it down as quick as they can right now so you don't make a difference whenever you have to make that difference. But bless them. Because what you'll see is when they say kill them with kindness, yeah, it's very ironic and it's very like the status quo, but it's actually true. Don't stoop to their level, but appreciate their level and say, you know what, thank you. This is, you know, I want to get better than this, hence the reason why I accept what you're saying to me, but I don't believe who it is. And that's tying back into what what you said about whether you're going to focus on the bad or the good. Correct. And where their attention goes, energy flows. If their attention flows towards blessing someone, then you're going to focus on being positive and loving who that person is no matter their flaws instead of worrying about oh shit these are my flaws this is what they're telling me isn't right with me definitely correct yeah it's just 100%. moving into that positive direction yeah, yeah and like you say blessing them yeah and it's true like i know some people might say but how do you stay positive in a very negative world and it's just affirming with yourself that hey you know what believe that you don't deserve this Believe it first, because some people believe they deserve it because, oh, maybe I am, it's because I am Asian. Yeah, and obviously, you being through what you have, you have the right to feel like you deserve a lot of the stuff you've been through, but it isn't true. Definitely, and you don't deserve it, and it's not your fault. It's the first affirmation you have to say to yourself, and then from there on, seeing that positive aspect of it, and appreciating that these guys are struggling too. The reason why they bully you is because they feel threatened by you. And as long as you accept that, there's so much possibility from that. So much possibility. And in terms of staying positive, no one, I don't care who you are, no one can stay positive every single day of their life. You are going to have those moments where you are negative, where you are questioning why the hell you are being nice to someone who's negative or mean to you. Correct. But, like with, I guess, the Bible, people reading it over and over, it's yep. that affirmation. It's that constant use. It's uh, teaching yourself how to be positive. And like you are saying, with these barriers being your biggest learnings or lessons, it's when you use that positive, the positivity, those affirmations, those teachings, while you are going through something negative and horrible, like someone bullying you yeah. is where you learn the biggest lessons about yourself. Correct. Absolutely. That's cool, man. Now, moving on to the rape, and I know you 
did talk about having forgived your your mother and father because this was a story that you had created to put the blame on them. Yeah. How have you processed what actually had happened with your uncle and I guess how have you managed to cope and heal? I think healing has is has and is taking a lot longer than I kind of expected or anticipated only because I buried it for such a long time and then all of a sudden coming up when I was at the Sydney clinic yeah um, I did the landmark forum recently and the landmark forum identifies how to close or complete with your past okay and um, and is that so you're not attaching that past you so you're not taking that further correct what I identified um, or the opportunity that arose from it was how do I come how do I complete with my past so that when I go forward it's not my past that's fueling me it's actually me presently now that's fueling me to be successful yeah Um, so instead of letting this burden or this negativity fuel you like most people do being um, looked at, looked down upon because they're in a poverty-stricken situation, Correct. wanting to achieve success. You're letting this new, I guess, like you said, the yellow arrows guiding you in Spain. Yeah, yeah. You finding your identity and your purpose, allowing that to guide you instead of this. Definitely correct. Because what I've what I've come to discover is that if we allow our past to fuel the drive and hunger and ambition of why we want to be so successful, when something wrong and when something does go bad, we actually get crushed 10 times more because we, we relate it back to our past saying, no, I can't, I can't. And then if, it, if you struggle to make it work, struggle to make it work, struggle to make it work continuously, you always compare it to the past. And hence the reason why a lot of people can't see and won't see breakthroughs because they relate it to something that happened in the past. What I'm trying to say from here is that how I became to that realization was as tough as it sounds, I had to set myself free. And what I mean by that is I accepted that I cannot change the past. I accepted that what happened to me, what happened to me, I also told myself I didn't deserve it. No, no one deserves that. And it also came to an opportunity where I said, even though it's not going to fuel my past, I'll make a difference. I'll make an impact for kids that suffered to have a chance of life fully and abundantly by making a difference. Cool. So you've taken that traumatic event, that struggle, and you've taken this lesson, which is what you've learned to accept that it isn't something that you deserved correct no matter what you may have thought before whether you were asking for money for it or not and you're going to take that on using this new identity to help others in the same situation which is powerful correct so the two words welcome that i really want to stress that how i helped myself overcome this was acceptance and forgiveness and is this forgiveness for yourself or for your uncle or both both definitely both um 
and it's important that it's both yep. because you know some people might say you know why do i have to forgive him and things like that but you're not forgiving him for the other person remember how i said it, it has to start becoming about you now the forgiveness is to set you free, to break those chains. Um, and forgiving him is not to say that you're bringing him back on the same level as you or or what, whoever on the same level as you. It's just saying, I forgive you because I want to leave that in the past. You have to really make that confirmation to not bring your past to where you are presently. If you're going to forgive someone about the past, leave it in that past. So they're the two strong words that I have is acceptance and forgiveness and that forgiveness means both that person and myself. Yeah. It's powerful, man. Mm. And you know, congratulations for finding that acceptance for both of you. Thank you. And in saying that, I do want to say I'm actually in the process of calling my uncle to say wow. it verbally. Wow. That's, I can't even imagine how scary that is. Yeah, it's actually, um, yeah, I'm in the process of calling my uncle and, and um, want to verbalize it to him. Because I know I've worded it to people, and I've worded it to my partner, I've worded it to my mum and dad. Yeah. I just don't feel as though, personally for myself. That it's complete. It's complete. Okay. That's powerful, man. Yeah. You know, I'm really glad that you went to Landmark and that you can have these sort of realizations yeah you know, no definitely that, that you value yourself enough now that you can actually mm. take these actions take these steps yeah to progress your life no matter what you've been through oh definitely and in saying that i actually contacted my ex over the weekend and i said wow i asked for forgiveness not with without an with no expectations and that's the best way yeah to do it yeah definitely make sure when you do something you've got to do it in a way where it's purely from your heart and what I mean by heart is have no expectation return. And I said, look, I forgive you. Whether she wants to write back to me or not, because she didn't answer. So I was like, I'm not going to give up on myself that easily. I'm not going to let myself get away with it. So I texted her. Um, I just so much weight has come off my shoulders from that. And I just can't imagine what's going to happen with my uncle. So I'm a bit nervous. Yeah, I can imagine that. But yeah, that's the process. Okay, and I guess... moving we probably don't need to delve too much into your engagement and how that broke down i think we'll stick more along the lines of the suicidal thoughts and the depression yeah. and anxiety how have you managed to process that and heal from that um the depression anxiety comes and goes of course admittedly saying and I guess I want to really share with the viewers or the, the listeners out there that it's normal. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, it's part of your everyday life. And believe it or not, everyone goes through it. So that, like, and, the, and the reason why we believe that what we're going through is a lot different to everyone else is because we start comparing ourselves to other people. Yep. So this is a lot of research that I've done um, and something about my project that obviously we'll probably talk about later. We compare ourselves so deeply from the point of view that the pain threshold that we're feeling right now and we try to betray that on someone else and, and have that comparison where they don't feel that pain. Yeah. But everyone feels pain differently as well. So depression and anxiety will always remain. It just depends on how you define it. And I chose to, to define it as, you know, it's a bad day. 
or it's a good day. What am I going to do about it? And like we said earlier, where am I going to focus my energy on then? Yeah. Um, so that's how I overcame with depression and anxiety. But also with that, I always, always, always reach out. I always reach out to my, to my wife. And she's just been absolute, she's been like a stock, like <laughs> she's a stocky rock is, is the best <laughs> way for me to say it. Rock. Yeah. Um, not just a rock, she's a stocky rock. She's like bigger than Mount Everest for me. Uh, that's how big of a backbone she is to me. And it's not easy, I understand that. But just the fact that she's there for me, yeah. is it means the world to me. Um, and it supports me. But I always reach out. And I also reach out to my business partner. His name's Shane. Um, and this guy is, a, this guy is like, oh, he's like a, a Google in his head. And it's just the way he talks about things. And he, he presents himself. is absolutely phenomenal. And I do look up to him. I do. Amazing. I do look up to him because he's absolutely beautiful. And I love him to death. I reach out to my best friend, Michael, as well. We so might not see the eye to eye. Same one that yeah, my best friend. Yeah, the one that saved me. Uh, we might not see eye to eye, but I still reach out to him just to talk. Um, and and now I reach out to my dad. Wow. And what brought about that change? That my dad, even though in my point of view he didn't do it the way he should have done it. He still tried, yeah. and I, I recognize that. He tried to give me the best life possible with what he knew. And and I, what he knew was the military, so. Correct, and what he knew was he had to become a father figure to his four brothers since he was 12, because that's when his dad died. Wow, the, yeah. Because he's the oldest of five. Man, he's had to go through a lot himself. Yeah. So, I know, like, you know, like one thing I didn't mention is I, I was on the brink of becoming, uh, I signed my professional contract in soccer and everything, but I dislocated my knee before my goal was a London Olympics. It dislocated my knee and it shattered my dad and he put that onto me. But I know why now, you know, because he wanted to fulfill something. But then we came to that realization that, no, dad, this is my life now. So. And have you had that conversation with him? Oh, definitely. Wow. And believe it or not, actually, it was actually two weeks ago. Really? Two weeks ago when I had the conversation with him. And that same conversation started off with my dad as well. I told my dad I hated him. Well, keep in mind, one day before, I told my dad I loved him. Okay. But then I had an epiphany. I was like, no, dad, actually, I hate you. And then we just worked through it. And then I told him I loved him again. So he's probably thinking, what is going on with my son? What's he going through? There's got to be a lot of love there on his side to have someone you love tell you they hate you yeah. I can imagine my daughter saying she hates me and I would be a mess yeah yeah so for him to have the strength to work through that with you yeah that's powerful yeah definitely and that's something I think people have listening have to acknowledge your father for yeah definitely but <laughs> you know I was walking down the street and I, I heard overheard this conversation from a homeless guy and he's like He's talking to another homeless guy and he was like, I'm doing whatever I can to feed the baby. And I was like, wow. No matter what our parents go through, all they think about is, I'll do whatever I can for my child. And 
as children, I think we forget that sometimes. Yeah. Even though it might seem sticky or messy and very hateful, it's actually up to us on how we define our story to make that difference. Suicide and overcoming suicide from that aspect was learning to love myself. going to be the big takeaway from your story is not only having the courage to open up and share what you're going through so you can bounce what you're going through off others so that you allow yourself the opportunity to receive that love from someone else to receive that advice yeah. but most of all to learn to love and accept yourself correct and to know that you don't deserve what you've told yourself you correct deserve. you know I had a um, I was looking after a, a girl that's like a mentee to me um, and she said she called me one night and she said Simon I'll kill myself and obviously for me I have to make a decision on the spot like what how am I going to help this girl I have to make an impact immediately and I said to I said to her Cheryl what do you love about yourself and she goes absolutely nothing What can you give to others? And she goes, Simon, I give, I talk to people, I comfort them, I do this, I do that. Like she just mentioned this list that she could, and I was like, wow, do you hear yourself, Cheryl? That's so powerful. What I hear from you right now is how much power you have. You're just wanting some of that power back. And why did you call me, Cheryl? And she was like, because I just needed someone to turn to. And I said, and you turned to me because you knew that I'll give you the same love. And you knew that I'll answer the call because you mean someone to me. And he's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, so then what makes you say that you're not loved, you don't feel good, you don't look good, whatever? And she goes, it's just how I feel. I'm like, that's awesome. The fact that you actually acknowledge what's going on actually allows you to recognize the possibilities of the future that you may have as well. So what I'm trying to say about suicide, and when I say to people, love yourself, they always come back to me, is how do I love myself, Simon? And I'm a firm believer of invest into yourself. And invest into yourself by reading or, or going for a walk or going fishing or whatever you may like. Your bed has to be only for your bed. Take risks. Take big risks. Because everything that we have in this earth right now, I came to the realization, it wasn't going to come with me when I get buried. Everything's temporary right now. Yeah. Take risks. Like suicide, as ironic as it sounds, is the easy way out. It is. And I say this, Lachlan, because... I was there once. Of course. And I was saved, resuscitated once. So I overcame it by investing into myself. I try to start, you know, I wrote down what I really, really love, what I like doing. So I loved, I loved playing soccer, I loved fishing, 
Um, and I love spoiling my partner, but back then I didn't have a partner. So I was like, not trying to find love, but I just try to spoil people that were close to me. So it'd be friends, family members, whoever. I, I spread that love out. Yeah. And then I found that my, my meaning of love was the meaning of living is giving. So I want to give to people. And it doesn't necessarily mean give presents or gifts or any materialistic things. Sometimes giving time is a lot more valuable than actually giving something so precious. And I think a big, in the Bible it also says, give to be given. Yes. So, I mean, if you are giving, then eventually, in time, that'll be reciprocated. Yeah, 100%. Back to you. People, I mean, there's a lot of people that might believe in karma, and it's true. When you do good, it'll be measured tenfold in return. Um, and I'm telling you now, like, suicide is not the end. If you really, really, really love your families, and this is what someone once told me, if you really, really love your family, you just hate the fact they don't understand you, keep in mind your suicide will then translate to other people. It means they'll have to deal with it. So my advice is really focus on who you are as an individual first. No money, no materialistic thing can change that for you. And actually can fill that void. It won't fill the void. Your love will fill that void. And for that reason, when I found love for myself and I was very confident, and when I say confident, not cocky, but confident as in, you know what, I don't care what people think and say about me. It might hurt me for that time being, but we'll come to the realization that actually I have an approval to say, you know, you are true or you are wrong, but that's up to me. And where do I want to spend most of my energy to find my identity? So I identified that I was a person that accepted who I was and I only want to identify who I wanted to be. Yep. So I let no one dictate my success in that journey. Um, and then I found my, well, she found me or I found her, whatever, uh, found my wife. It's awesome. So that's how I overcame suicide. Reaching out, talking, loving, investing into myself, just that formula right there is, is very critical. It's about you. And if we are talking about your marriage, obviously being engaged at 21 and having that breakdown, having that heartache and that loss, yeah. and then now finding this woman who obviously makes you happy, yeah. who you didn't just get engaged to, you married. Do you feel like having that ability or that self-awareness to accept and love yourself to open up and share what you're going through has allowed you to find someone that can love you completely that you don't have to shape yourself to fit into their mold uh, best way to answer that Lachlan is that finding that opportunity first of no I found peace and emptiness what I mean by emptiness is I cleared out all my past yeah. so that the love that I had or have for my partner now is just infinite possibilities. And it's so much more stronger um, because of, I've emptied the past out. And it's a love without fear as well. Yep. It's Definitely. Awesome, Don't get me wrong, I still fear that I, I might lose her, but... Of course, of course. Can't really tell her that too much, can I? <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're definitely right, Lachlan. Like, value in that is so much so powerful yeah 
and I guess if we're going back I think it's a, an important point to get back to if we are talking about suicide and if we are talking about the repercussions on family saying that suicide is in a sense taking the easy way out it may not seem like that to people at the time but what's a lot harder than taking your life is facing whatever it is you're going through like you said rising against the fear instead of running from it yeah and tying again back into the theme of what you're talking about is learning to identify what it is you're going through internally mentally and then assessing it and deciding whether that does um, shape who you are whether you do accept that as part of you or whether you choose to let it go and accept yourself or who you are who you really are oh definitely you're, you're, you know discovering your identity yeah as you say definitely true and it's absolutely powerfully said because identifying when you identify yourself you have to recognize that it won't be complete it will take you forever until your dying day maybe to identify yourself and um, that's where it stands that's where it lies and that's the beauty of life is yep. that we are constantly growing yep. constantly expanding our awareness and our knowledge and that is the true beauty of life is that we do get to learn every day we yep. do get to change yeah definitely we do transform definitely awesome man so I guess having been through all your traumatic events or your struggles what would be no actually we've covered that we've probably covered that having been through your struggles and your recovery yep. using religion as your backbone and now having this wonderful partner who you said is your stocky rock yep. <laughs> <laughs> your backbone learning to accept and love yourself and then discovering your identity and using these landmark are they seminars or yeah or programs landmark programs to help you progress and do that more yeah what would you say your quality of life is like now I can't complete that can. and the reason why I can't complete that lock is because life's not over yet I'm still breathing so quality is measured by obviously an opportunity to measure something completely and I won't be able to measure it for you because I think I don't want to measure it either either because I don't want to complete it and the reason why I say that is what I say now might be different in two, three, six months time of course but one thing that I can assure you to answer that question in some way form is to say I've got a new perspective I've got new direction but I'm very flexible to how it will all plan out okay so you're content with the direction you're going in um challenged challenged and when I say challenged don't, please don't take that as a negative format of, of, of the word challenged as in because this is what I personally wanted for myself is I, I love I, I love challenges they're an opportunity to grow Correct. It's a possibility. And that's what I love. Awesome. Yeah. It's powerful, man. Thank you. Okay. And so what have you added to your life or removed from it to improve the quality of it? Obviously, you don't want to 
give the quality of your life that's not complete yeah. but what have you added or removed to improve your life we'll go for the removing part first yeah. um, it's awesome to say that I removed the past um, damn that's yeah. the best answer I've had so far yeah remove the past that's, that's powerful and I think I will sign seal deliver it once I forgive my uncle um, and to make a commitment, I am wanting to have that completed and done and dusted by next Sunday. Wow. Um, and the reason I say that is because a man of integrity follows through with what he says. Yep. So Leon is probably going to hold this up to me, hence the reason why it's, it's important for me as well because I identified that. I'm a man of integrity and I love following through what I say. He's all about being a man of your word, hey? Definitely. Um, so this is spoken out loud so that I'm accountable of it. Um, yeah, I, I, it, I think just saying that I removed my past summarizes everything that I've removed. Um, because what happens in the future is determined and based on how I feel and direct myself presently. Yeah. So, we'll keep challenging on that. What I've added is I've added a new, or I started a new fuel of fire, or a fire with so much fuel in it now of how I am going to be impacting, making a difference to the world through what I went through. And through that, to become an entrepreneur based on a project that will make that difference. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool, man. Okay, and if we're talking about life now, what would you say you're most grateful for at this point in your life? Obviously, things are going to change. You're going to progress and grow. But right now, what would you say you're most grateful for? My past. Awesome. Sounds weird. God damn it, man. You're dropping bombs. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, bro. Um, might sound weird because I just said I forgot about the past. But I'm grateful for my past. And I'm thankful to God that he gave me so much strength to get through it and that he was there for me all the way. And I thank myself for not giving up. Awesome. That's powerful and that's beautiful to know what you've been through and to know that you're saying you're grateful mm. for what you've been through. I can only take that to mean as someone who likes challenges yeah. that you realize that those are all roadblocks that you have now overcome correct and taken them on as lessons yep. and now you're applying them to your life and obviously you're going to start applying them to other people's lives correct it's definitely amazing, congrats thank you thank you i guess if we're moving on to your your mission and what you were just talking about before yep. of this project having been through what you've been through how do you see yourself helping others? So I'd like to obviously bring up the project that I briefly mentioned yeah, about. Of Go for it. During my past, obviously being in the, in the mental institution and being in the fitness industry for over 12 years, you know, I identified gaps for myself that I believe is important, especially with research and statistics saying that suicide's always on the rise continuously. It's one every 40 seconds, by the way. Absolutely phenomenal, yeah. And the attempt, attempt of suicide, is one in every seven or no, sorry, I think it's one every thirteen seconds. 
of an attempt. And those are just the ones that people know about. Yep. So everything else goes hidden. Um, It's scary. And my biggest goal is to eliminate suicide Mm -hmm. and give chance for the people that are less privileged. Because sometimes people that are abused in any form, way, shape, they don't reach out because they don't have a chance for their future. So therefore they turn to like drugs, alcohol, or just difficult paths. But so we found a gap and the gap in the fitness industry was they purely focused on the health and fitness of the individual, which is awesome, nothing against it. But then I questioned, how does it help their life goals as well? Yes, they might say, well, health and fitness will make you last longer in terms of your your job because you're stronger, you're, you have a lot more energy, which is absolutely fantastic. But it focuses on the being of the person. And I wanna go more in depth of psychology behind it too. Being in the mental institution, they got awesome programs, don't get me wrong. They look after you for a couple of weeks, but then you're back out in the street. There's no goal setting program. So I came up with a, a project after or during the landmark and after the landmark with my business partner, Shane, and we decided to come up with this awesome project that will combine holistically everything that's got to do with health and fitness, wellness and wholeness under one roof. So we'll have a gym, we'll have a counselor, psychologist group sessions availability as well. Um, and we'll also promote group sessions and goal setting sessions with Insane Vision the founder of Insane Vision is Shane, like I said. So make sure I give special credit to him. Um, and we combine that so that we ensure that the person that we're dealing with can have a wholeness program, that they are fulfilled with their life, that they have a direction in their life and that they are on the right path. Now I'm not saying that we're playing God here, that we give them everything, but what I'm creating is a possibility and an opportunity for them to see an avenue in life like I said earlier, if I told you to get somewhere, there's not just one way to get there, there's many different ways to get there as well. And we do that because another loophole that I found is that, man, mental, like anything that's got to do with the mental industry, it's very costly. We're talking like anywhere between. Can you pull the, this off? Just pull it to your left. Yeah. Oh, oh left. Pull it, yeah, yeah, just pull it over, yeah. Sorry, um, it's very costly. And what I say that is, you know, we researched, and I might be wrong here, but I can be accurate as well, is anywhere between $120 to $220 for a consultation with a very, very qualified psychiatrist, counselor, or even a psychologist. Yep. One consultation. Sometimes people need two, three per week because of what they're going through is so difficult, and they just need that comfort. So if we talk about the most expensive rate, we're talking 660 per week. That's not affordable, that's not affordable to anyone. It's affordable to people that can afford it in that privileged world. Yep. Nothing against them, but let's make it affordable for everyone because everyone deserves a chance. So we've combined this program, like a normal fitness routine, nothing different, and we're gonna create nine week programs under one roof to ensure that people connect, people achieve their goals, both emotionally, mentally, and physically, and Obviously, with the physically say, we look after them in the gym environment. Cool. So that's the project. And that's how I want to give back. And I want to franchise that all around the world. Yeah. And 
another thing that I'm sharing is after franchising that all around the world, we want a minimum of 550 clubs. The profit of those clubs, I want to build 10 orphanage schools all around third world countries, Cambodia, Philippines, Vietnam, Uganda, you name it, because I want to give those kids a chance to. It's a big vision, man. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. It's powerful. And I guess, I don't know how you'd feel about me saying this, but obviously you, you're using this Bible as this affirmation, a way to live your life the best, the best way possible. Definitely. Live the best version of your life that you can. And in a sense, that's what you're doing with this holistic project. Definitely. As you're taking this Bible and you're allowing people to use it. Yeah. In and this it's so one true. space. Yeah, correct. So, congratulations. Thank you. And like I said, it's all about that reaching out. The endless possibilities are just up to our, it's up to our, I guess, decision or yeah. up to, it's up to us. Um, and I'd, I'd like to do a very big shout out to International Harvest Perth as well, who's a, it's a ministry in church that has and grown me spiritually. Um, Auntie Irene and Uncle Thomas, that has helped me really see the opportunity to help other people and pray for other people, minister to other people to have that opportunity. And it's where my vision of my project became a lot more vivid, a lot more believable but true because I know that that's the, that's the image or that's the vision that God gave me and having these two prayer warriors or mentors that I have have enlightened that opportunity and that belief factor, self-belief factor that I have to make a difference for the world. It's amazing. Mm. It's amazing. And that's something everyone needs. Definitely. And that's what you're going to provide. I definitely am. That safe space and the mentoring and everything, literally. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna limit it. Even it sounds like you can't do everything, but hey, the possibilities are there, right? Yeah. So I'm not gonna stop myself. Yeah. Well, whatever man soweth. Yeah. You know that shall he also. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. You sow that seed, brother. It'll happen. Yeah. No, it definitely will. Um, I guess if we are gonna come to the end of this episode and wrap up. Yep. Before we, before we do, I've got another question after this, but before we do, because you are religious, you do believe in God, one question I want to ask you is, what does God mean to you? And is that um, something outside of yourself or is that something that you believe is inside you? I'd like to answer that question first by saying God is within me. Yeah. Because we're an image and perfectly formed by his image and his son Jesus Christ best way to explain it like for God is like he's he's my he's my saviour and when I say saviour that can be defined in all aspects of saviour yeah um, the one that gives life the one that saves you from sin or saves you from the hands of suicide depression anxiety he's my father and like a father he will discipline me and like a father he will reward me and recognize me as who I am and love me as who I am and knowing that lets me know that the whole world cannot love me and doesn't have to love me but I know that one person that will always remain their love for within me and remember how I said to you that I didn't feel loved my whole life I recognize now that God loved me this whole time 
through my past to my present and for my future. Awesome. So that's who God is to me, love. It's amazing, bro. Mm. I never ever would have guessed that. Yeah. That's cool. Thank you. Um, so last question. Yep. If you had the opportunity to put a message on a billboard somewhere in the city, probably the freeway where thousands, hundreds of thousands of people would see it every day. Yep. One message you could put on that billboard for all those people to see, what would it be? You mean more than what you say you mean. That's cool, man. And what do you mean by that? I think I understand it, but I want to know. Yeah, not 100%. What's your meaning behind it? We tell ourselves who we are based on what the current trends of the world is. So when we see social media, people get so many more likes and then we're also, just because we only get one or two likes, we think, oh, maybe we're not as good as we are. Yeah. Um, if someone looks absolutely beautiful and stunning or handsome on TV and we don't look like that, we tell ourselves, man, I'm not good looking enough. Yeah. I must not mean that important. So what I'm trying to say is your, your identity, when you find that identity of purpose, yeah means a lot more than what you think and you cannot say to me that you've already found that where you are right now because like I said the reason why I didn't want to close my <laughs> am I content with the quality of my life right now is because of that reason yeah because it's an open book yep. and you're still writing each page yep and it's up to us it's not up to anyone else it's not up to anyone else but us hence the reason why you mean 7 million Oof, a lot more than what we think yep. and if we follow our actions based on that message in itself and take risks like I said the possibilities are infinite it's our own limitations that stop us from doing it anyway yep. so why put a limitation to it be bold be calculated be measurable but take risks big risks cool man that's my message awesome to wrap this up for real this time yep I just want to acknowledge you for not only what you've been through but how you've managed to process and heal and how you're using those lessons from everything everything throughout your life I can't even imagine having to go through half of that let alone all of it so I want to acknowledge you for going through that and taking those lessons to not only transform your life but to transform the lives of others with what you're doing with Landmark or what you're going to do with Landmark and for what you're going to do with this holistic project, man. Yep. It's powerful, it's beautiful, and, yeah, you really deserve congratulations for that. Thank you, Lachlan. Thank you. I'd like to do a quick shout-out, if that's okay. Um, obviously, my prayer mentors, Auntie Ari and Uncle Thomas, thank you so much for the spiritual life that you've give, given me the opportunity to and the possibilities to open up to. To my business partner, Shane, love you. Thank you so much for what you have done. You and Sam, absolutely amazing, including Bella as well. Michael, my best friend, for saving me. Green curry. Green curry, oh wow. <laughs> uh, um, my grandma, wow, you were there for me all this time. My sisters as well, my mum and dad, love you. And I forgive you again and again. 
Second last is my wife. Just being that stocky Rocky, like I said, and loving me that I love you twice as more. And to God, I praise and glorify him. Thank you so much. And to you, Locke, appreciate this, that this message will get across. And I, I, I hope this goes across to thousands and thousands and thousands more. Because even if I impact one person, it's made a difference. That's it, man. Thank you so much. Awesome. And where can people get in contact with you if they feel inspired, compelled to reach out and contact you? Um, definitely through Facebook. Um, it's under Gino Simon Shin. Um, or even through Lachlan's page himself. Yep. That'll be awesome. Um, so they're probably the two best forms at the moment i mean i don't want to give too much personal information away but they'll be the easiest to approach and reach out to me i'm in i'm mentoring a lot of people as well through the whole mental illness and the health and fitness industry and plus the business in itself for entrepreneurship for different age groups so don't be afraid to contact me um and dead said i'm an open book for any new page awesome man thank you yeah. and i'll put that contact in the show notes awesome cheers brother thank you very much it's awesome I think the real big takeaway from this one will be the self-acceptance and that self-love that he actually found. Now if you are looking to get in, in contact with Simon, of course a link to his Facebook page will be on the Open Up Podcast post on Facebook and it will also be in the show notes wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether that's Stitcher, iTunes or any other Android platform. Of course, as you know, open up this podcast is all about encouraging people to open up through hearing and resonating with these stories that people courageously open up and share on the actual podcast spurring people to maybe go out and tell a friend tell a loved one or even go on to platforms such as our private story sharing group on facebook now if you want to be a part of that if you want to go on just read through some of the stories and see how you feel see if you can work up the courage or muster that courage to actually tell your story whether it's for the first time or the 10th go on have a look read through some stories see if you resonate and if you do that's perfect that's beautiful share your story and i know you'll get tons of support and advice from people who are going through similar situations to you and look hey if you go through those stories and you really feel compelled to share but you're still not quite sure that's fine Keep listening to the podcast, keep reading through those stories as they're posted, and soon enough, you will find that courage to share. You will find that courage to break down your self-limiting belief, whatever you fear about exposing to someone else, and you know, you will, you will open yourself up to love. Now, switching gears onto something that, personally, I'm super excited about, and I actually can't believe this is happening, open up will be at a live event this August here in Perth, Western Australia. And honestly, I'm so stoked. Open Up and myself will be hosting a live panel discussion on resilience and recovery at the Positive Life Expo and workshops on the 18th of August. Now, Positive Life Expo and workshops is an all-day free event where there will be motivational speakers, industry experts, health and wellness products and services plus fun and exciting activities 
For more info, please check out their link. I'll put that in the show notes, and obviously that'll be on the the post on Facebook as well. So grab your free tickets while they last because these things take off like hotcakes. And if it's anything like last year, they won't be around for long. So please, I implore you, if you are looking to improve your resilience, if you are looking to improve in any way, shape, or form, then I implore you to get along to the Positive Life Expo, 18th of August, here in Perth, WA. And of course, it's free. So if you are looking to get that ticket, I'll give you the web address right now. It's striveandthrive.com.au S-T-R-I-V-E-A-N-D-T-H-R-I-V-E.com.au And you can get your free tickets there. Like I said, I'm so excited to be a part of this and to be hosting this panel discussion on on a topic that's so near and dear to our hearts, especially everyone listening to this. We all have struggles, we all have dramas and trauma we have to deal with, but to be in a position like this, to openly speak about it, to have a panel openly speaking and discussing it, man, that's just mind-blowing, and I'm super privileged to even have this opportunity with you and with Open Up. So thank you guys so much. Love yous. Ciao.